Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello, and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today is the last episode of our Mirror Universe series. We will be talking about the Mirror episodes in Star Trek Discovery. Ah, what an amazing <laughs> way to go out of the Mirror Universe. Like, this couldn't have been planned better by the Star Trek gods themselves. <laughs> like, this is truly amazing. We have quite an incredible list of episodes to show you today so this is really exciting and it's sad to see the mirror universe gone so soon ashlyn was literally just talking about like how crazy it is that voyager doesn't have a mirror or tng or these like staple series and i was thinking even hoping nay hoping that uh the new trek era besides discovery can pick up some more mirror universe episodes soon so that we can come back to the series eventually as we do so ashlyn this is just a really exciting day and i'm so so happy to have finally chosen this series it feels just like the perfect time to be talking about all of this i could not agree more and honestly short but sweet and really <laughs> thought-provoking i mean kind of like sweet and sour type of yeah. type of flavor very thought-provoking very interesting conversations we've gotten ourselves into and honestly very intimidating for me because i have to choose the next series and yeah. how can i follow the mirror universe series i feel like we've had some of the highs of our pod talking about these episodes it's been so much fun to compare all of them and so honestly it weighed heavy on me because rihanna i feel like she always chooses these series that are so thought thought provoking and so fun to talk about and we go to eras we, we eras i'm so broken we go to eras tour <laughs> we we go to areas of conversation that i never would have expected us to go to so like I said, I, it was really weighing on me trying to choose Aww. the next series. Yeah. But saying all that, that was kind. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I, I think Rihanna's not afraid to shy away from hard questions like I am. And so mm. that's why we make a good balance in the pod. I mean, I'm not always afraid, but sometimes I'm afraid. So <laughs> <laughs> I get you, but I'm always thrilled and so excited to hear what you choose for series because we always have just like a, a complete blast talking about these episodes so i choose the fun series and so <laughs> let's see what i chose but unfortunately you're gonna have to wait because i'm gonna announce it at the end of the pod oh. we want we, we we want you to listen to this episode oh, and so if you have not seen discovery i guess why did you click on this one um <laughs> but maybe go to the last like couple minutes um <laughs> I don't want to give any of our other listeners any ideas. You can't skip Actually, the episode. No. Don't, um, don't skip. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so yeah, you're going to have to wait till the end of the episode. But I will tell you that the the polls are in. The votes have been counted. We will be doing a slight detour after Mirror before the next series because we're going to follow up and have a new entry into our feminism series. That's right. We're going back to feminism. And specifically, we are talking about strange new worlds. Whoa, it's Strange New Worlds. Yes, Ashlyn, we are tackling feminism, which is another one of my series that I chose back in the day. 
a couple years ago now, a year ago. I don't know. It was, it was early 2022. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'm really excited because we have not talked about these amazing women and women identifying people on strange new worlds yet. And that is just super like, that is just gonna be a wonderful episode pretty much this poll won by a lot i feel like like people were really interested in hearing about feminism again and i'm frankly always happy to talk about women's rights and how they interact with with star trek and how strange new worlds you know has these representations so this can be really exciting it is i think it's just another compliment to rihanna and her series because this the feminism was her like child and yeah, I, I thought to do since the first like day we talked about this pot yeah yeah exactly and we got comments i know davy from trexperts he messaged us as the poll was going and he was like feminism should be a clear winner uh, this was like early on in the poll so he was clearly <laughs> pulling for it and then yeah. we got some great comments on our uh, patreon page jordan hirsch said woo boy i do have some thoughts about the feminism wins and losses in strange new world would love to hear yours on the pod anna f seconded that uh we got a lot of comments about people supporting feminism which wow, is great that's but, amazing so highly anticipated so look for that next week we will have that episode out and then after that will be our next series so give us about <laughs> two hours and we'll let you know <laughs> if you have more thoughts about uh, feminism we would love to read them on the pod next week so please message us and we'll we'll make a post just keep an eye out and we'd love to hear your hopes and dreams for feminism yeah. so i want our hopes and dreams to increase in this episode as we bring a friend along let's go i gotta go walk away <laughs> Ashlyn's blindly choosing. Her eyes are closed. I see her reaching. <laughs> She's screaming. <laughs> Something miraculous has happened, folks. Okay, okay. I almost think this is cheating. I blindly chose Mirror Spock. <laughs> he was just out last week and I, I put him back on the shelf. I was live commenting that she was closing her eyes, so we all know it's true. Nicely I, done, Ashlyn. I was <laughs> seconds. I literally brushed Kirk from City on the Edge of Forever, so that one would have been. In fact, you know, I'm gonna go grab him. So then we have a Guardian reference, okay. and we have oh, Mirror Spock. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> they are in the same little shelf of Ashlyn's um, amazing action figure shelf. So I'm. I think it's destiny. There we go. Friends from, from different worlds here. Yeah. Uh, Rihanna, who do you have? Okay, Ashlyn, um, try to contain your excitement. I picked Chakotay in his... Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> he looks terrible! No, he looks terrible this in the outfit! This isn't just any Maki uniform. <laughs> this is the one, I believe, from Worst Case Scenario? Correct me if I'm wrong. But isn't this the one from the holodeck episode where they're like, ooh, Chakotay is taking over the shit? Yeah, I think it is. He looks <laughs> He looks like Baby Longstocking. He looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I never, ever would have thought to call Chakotay Pippi Longstocking, but here we are. He has joined us for the pod, ready to, um, I think, you know, probably not be aligned with the Terran Empire. I think that as a Maquis officer, Chakotay would be with, would be with the Coalition. <laughs> What do you think, Ashley? Yeah, definitely with the coalition. 
Oh my god, Ashlyn just made Kirk and Spock are very, very close together. Um, <laughs> folks, they are like back to front. <laughs> um, okay, I'm saying there's not a lot of room on this microphone, so you can't like assume that anything is going on. Oh, I'm assuming. I'm assuming more. <laughs> Spock is looking down on Kirk from behind. That's all I'm going to say in this pod as we take our photo, Ashlyn. <laughs> Ashlyn's erotica here. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Rihanna yeah, totally. We uh, we but we were interrupted talking about Chakotay, but you know we don't need to Chakotay talk about him. It's fine. Pippi yeah. Interrupted. He does not need to be brought up again. Um, so. No, no, we're good. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. So now that we have our friends along for the ride of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Go look at our Instagram. Oh no, yeah, post. we're gonna we're gonna post it so you can all laugh along with us. <laughs> okay, okay, get it Sometimes together. Sometimes I wonder, like, are we supposed to be more mature? You know, like, are... <laughs> no, this is Spurk at its finest right here. I mean, you picked Mirror Spock, put it behind Kirk, staying on the edge of forever, and Kirk's just just so happy. He's, just, he's got his arms out. <laughs> His legs are spread. He's, ready. <laughs> he's so ready to talk about oh. the real universe. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, he's he's ready. He's primed, you might say. Um. <laughs> Good pun on multiple levels. Wow. Yeah. You're welcome. Prime that's that's what you all are here for, right? This is why you're in the house of Duras. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk didn't. Um, you know, actually, since we're talking about this, um, you know, as a running gag on our mirror universe, we have been talking about who you would rather smash or pass in these various universes. So we know who Kirk would rather smash or pass. Let's see who Anna F was actually discussing on our Patreon. Once we asked you all last week during our Enterprise episode, <laughs> who would you smash or pass, pass in the Mirror Universe, if that's your thing? Well, technically, this is Trekkie Quotes I alias on, on Twitter. Okay. Trekkie Quotes said... <laughs> Editor said, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's how it goes, you know. Editor's depressed, pod people are happy. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> exactly right oh and she's she's face bombing of she's sadness like, right now or just she's completely dead deadpan yeah and she's just like delete 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 <laughs> um, yeah okay so yeah i mean what's going on you know we ask people a very strange question like post your smasher passes on the internet and only trekkie quotes replied so you, you all really need to get to it together <laughs> trekkie quotes says Smash for Phlox, Saval, Travis, and T'Pol, which I think <laughs> is, list. that is the best take of all time. Everyone else is a pass for this episode, so. <laughs> I honestly agree with most except Phlox, but we know my stance. <laughs> Trekkie Quotes also went on to say that it really bugs me that literally every single character who's on screen for more than a second is male, at least what canon says, except for Hoshi and T'Pol. This is an issue in Enterprise, I know, but somehow it felt particularly bad in this episode. Except the Tholian. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yep. 
So lol, true. Lol, lol. I yes. agree. Okay, so this brings me to a slightly related question. We will, you know, as, as you all know, if you've been following along, we will <laughs> announce our own Smasher Passes as they, as each character as comes up. up. <laughs> aren't, aren't you excited for that? <laughs> so, Rihanna, if you were flung into the Mirror Universe and you happen to land on the Chiron, which is the Empress's, the Emperor's ship that George O's on, and well, I think I think let's do do that situation. Or maybe if you like went back with Michael and Lorca. Actually, should we ask that question? I have that two prong. No, I oh, just you, have oh, two prong. You have two already. prong. Okay, yeah. great. Well, who would you ally yourself with in this mirror universe? Yes, thank you, Ashlyn. Great question as usual. I feel like this answer requires two responses because on one hand, you have to think about if you were allying with mirror Giorgio and then on the other hand you have to think about if you were allying with Michael and Lorca against Giorgio to overthrow her so you know if I were deciding to go with the empire surprise I would ally myself with Giorgio herself um <laughs> the uh, shocker I know but it seemed to work very well for Michael maybe because she already has the Michael upper hand but I'm hoping that I could convince her to of my prime universe you know biology or whatever be like i'm not supposed to be here however if i were allying with michael and Lorca in that like you know rebellion faction i would definitely ally with detmer oh my god not just because she's incredibly attractive which is a huge part of it <laughs> um, but not only because of that but also because she is very devoted to michael and extremely devoted to the cause as we see throughout not only these season one episodes but also the season three episode uh two-parter so i am just thrilled to like i would every time i see her on screen i want more mirror detmer than we get so i definitely would ally with her and we would help michael at any cost so Ashlyn, what are your answers? Do you have a two-pronged answer or would you just strongly ally with some with one person? I I have a two-pronged answer, but actually different scenario yeah. to what you answered with. Also, great, great responses. Giorgio is definitely like just tell her the truth and she yeah. might spare you. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> but I'll say, so in my in my scenario, I'm thinking I'm trapped in the mirror universe. And my so I my answer for if I'm trying to go home. I'm actually gonna ally. Oh, hang on. Maybe that's a bad idea. Um, I think I'm gonna ally myself with Stamets. It might be a bad idea, but if I'm trying to go home, I'm thinking who is the only person who like actually respects science enough to accept that I'm from a, another universe mm, true, and then try to get me home. And also it like, he's addicted to his work and that's what like fuels him just like our Stamets. So mm. I'm thinking maybe we would have to do an exchange. I'd have to give him like a body or something. I don't know yeah, um, for him to do yeah. science on, but so that would be my answer if I'm trying to get home. If I have to stay in the Terran universe, I am hoping that I get to find the rebel planet because i'm allying myself with Sarek, and okay, yes yeah i because yes, he would just mind true. meld and he'd be like oh my god this place is oh like you're so <laughs> cool crazy. you know yeah. <laughs> yeah and i would try to help them i might get blown up uh, immediately but i would join the rebels mm -hmm. and try to fight the empire i love that you know Sarek had crossed my mind as well 
he's so cool in this mirror universe. I'm just, I, I think that's a fantastic answer all around Ashlyn. Stanitz is an interesting choice, but I think like, I totally see what you mean, you know, like, he knows he, all the science. I mean, I think high risk, high reward with him. He yeah. could just turn me in. <laughs> he could turn you, know? you in. Yeah. Or, you know, he could find a way home for you. So yeah, you're right. I like, I like that. Good answers all around. Wow. Yes. Oh, man. So now we actually have a watch list for this one. I kind of forgot how to read. So this is going to be tough for me. Got to get <laughs> yeah, back into the watch list reading. So today we will be talking about Into the Forest I Go, Despite Yourself, The Wolf Inside, Vaulting Ambition, What's Past is Prologue, and Terra Firma Part 1 and 2, the absolutely Ooh. glorious two-parter we get in Season 3. Everything else from season one, as I hope you remember. Talk about a glorious watch list. Like, this is what I'm saying when I say, like, you can't go out on a better note for the mirror universe because the this whole arc of discovery for me was such a love letter to Star Trek, was such an ode to TOS and to these various mirror episodes both acknowledging past ones and can helping canonize past ones, which we will discuss. And then also just like fulfilling different parts of the story that we're always wondering more about and that we had been asking questions about in the beginning of the series when watching Mirror Mirror, we are now getting answers to a lot of that just in their timeline, you know? And I think that's what makes it so special too, is getting to see Mirror Universe from first Enterprise's timeline and then from first the original series timeline, then Enterprise, and now Discovery. So, and of course, then, you know, D uh, DS9 provides us with a, a broader timeline, you know, in the future. But getting this sort of era of the Terran Empire when it's at its height and its glory is really interesting and completely something I think that I didn't expect them to go so deep into when Ashley and I were watching this in our San Francisco apartment when it first came out, you know, like, Definitely did not think it would go this far, but was so impressed that it it took measures to really do the Mirror Universe justice, not only in this arc of Lorca and Mirror Giorgio, but also in the arc of Mirror Giorgio in season three. So there's my yes. spiel, but I'm just so happy they did this. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And Discovery's take on the Mirror Universe is everything that I... I don't know if you can hear a dog barking, but there's a, we have a friend outside running around. Um, but Discovery's take on the Mirror Universe is everything that I've been asking for watching all of these Mirror episodes. I've been wanting more fleshed out information about what is going on in the Empire directly, not just in Starfleet. I've been wanting longer episodes where we get to completely dive into the universe. I wanted a season of Enterprise that was completely in the mirror universe and holy shit, one, two, three, four, five episodes of the mirror universe series as well as a mirror Lorca throughout the entire first season. And then we get mirror Giorgio until season three, a glorious edition and yeah. a very strange edition, like something we've never had in Star Trek before a mirror character just like hanging out with us. It's like if Boreal just like ended up chilling. Oh god, you know, no. Which would be a horrible example, but like, oh, god. like Smiley's back, you know, like he's here to stay. <laughs> like, it just, it changes the dynamic of the show, but Discovery, but Discovery pulled it off, you know, like they were able to seamlessly fit these characters in. One, because he was literally like 
undercover basically for the whole season and two because Giorgio just is Giorgio and my god I can't wait to talk about her arc but I think you know first let's discuss the Lorca in the room <laughs> the mirror Lorca who has been lurking as prime Lorca this entire time lurking Lorca yeah <laughs> Of course, he was greatly discussed in our villain series, but now we get to discuss him from a completely different angle, and that's why I loved getting to separate villains from Mirror Universe, and, you know, there's a method always to our madness, and you're seeing the payoff now of all of this, because, like, Lorca is, yes, a villain, but also a product of the Mirror Universe and of the world that he comes from, and so I think we have to just sort of start there and start with these incomplete jumps that have you know rendered Stamets unwell <laughs> um and that are supposedly trying to break the Klingon cloak so this is sort of the end of the war quote-unquote like they're trying to end this war by breaking the Klingon cloak this is Lorca's guys the whole time he has been shaping this crew up to be soldiers in order for them to fight the Klingons so kind of perfect guys to have Lorca change a little bit, be changed by the war and the Baran, you know. He's always talking about the Baran. <laughs> Every so. time the Baran is brought up, I just chuckle. <laughs> that man is bitter. He's like, oh, back on the Baran. Things yeah. were better. Exactly. <laughs> it, 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 you could buy it enough, you know, that he is now just a bitter, a bitter Starfleet captain from our prime universe who has been corrupted a little bit by war and who will do anything to win. That's believable enough, you know, for him to pass. Precisely. Yeah. Well, I have to get this out of the gate because I, everyone, get it out of there. <laughs> every, everyone's thinking this anyway, but the writing of this season and to have the mirror universe be the central core of it is why this season is one of the best of treks and the, I don't think we've really gotten a shocking reveal like this for, first of all, that Lorca is Mira Lorca. And then second, we find out that Giorgio, her former, you know, the former captain um, who was killed in the second episode of the series is the Empress. So we get a return of her and her character gets to end up staying with us. And I don't think for the rest of the show, we have a reveal that's as crazy as that. And that's why I think this first season of Discovery is just so it's so so smart so beautifully and craft like delicately written and i think that it takes all of the loose ends kind of like what rianne was saying all of the loose ends that have been brought up in other star trek shows and ties them together in such a like weaves them in this beautiful tapestry it's it's beautiful so I, i'm just saying thank you thank you thank you thank you to that season one of discovery exists just purely for the mirror universe it's an absolute masterpiece yes. so yeah Period, so Ashton, boom let, yeah so i had to get that off my chest otherwise <laughs> i'll just keep talking about how brilliant this is kind of with yeah. with, with last week with enterprise too i'm just thanking You're the writers so yeah, yeah exactly. so rihanna thank you for for getting us started we are at the height of the klingon war and this is when i i think this is the only not the, I mean, so Lorca's made questionable decisions the whole time under the guise of I'm doing it for us, you know, like mm -hmm. we're, we're, we've got to win the war. Sometimes the means justify the ends. Sometimes the ends. That. Yeah. He, yeah, he literally <laughs> said that. Yeah. So he's, he's getting away with it. But I think at this point when Stamets is 
really struggling to do these jumps and he's really affected by what the spore drive is doing to him Lorca has to give him a pep talk kind of a kind of a bs pep talk after the war what's next we have to keep exploring and so if you want to like keep doing science we have to like he dangles this potential nothing in front of Stamets like this bait you know like oh this is all for the good of science actually and exploration so that's why we have to do these like 112 jumps to get this data on the Klingon ship and it's the final step of his plan to go home to the Mirror universe and it's it's showing his plan is getting a little bit messy I think because Mm -hmm. he's he's so close and because he has to at some point do some act of betrayal against them and this changing of the coordinates that he does stamets has a whole thing where he's like this is my last jump and then i retire mm-hmm. you know <laughs> this is it i have to be it's done where they're about to <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's all that's i mean that's like a huge red flag it's like yeah. okay and then when he's like hugging q like we're gonna go to the opera after this i'm like Hugh's yeah, dead <laughs> stamets is about to like jump in the network yeah everything's about to go wrong after this last jump and part of it is because Lorca changed the coordinates from his chair and the discovery crew does not know this until like the fourth episode that they're (laughs) in the mirror universe (laughs) yeah Yeah, Ashlyn there's so much to impact here with Lorca first I want to say that the ends justify the means is a Machiavelli quote (laughs) so the fact that he (laughs) like is just like yeah let's use that quote you know like that cracks me up and then also um, Lorca's always thinking about the Roman Empire, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> his Roman yeah, Empire. yeah. Um, and wait, can you imagine the Mirror Roman Empire? What was that oh, like? Who knows if it had diverged yet, though? I feel like I feel like it was just as it was. <laughs> you know, didn't they say daughter the of Rome about uh, Giorgio? What that was one of her titles. Maybe names. Rome number fell. Mm. Mm, think about that (laughs) see caesar said i know y'all about to betray me (laughs) but this is the mirror universe so i can yeah yeah he's like you're all stabbed now yeah (laughs) actually took knife throwing this (laughs) caesar (laughs) caesar are you sick Oh god, no. Once okay, we've hit okay. salad, we have to end the bit. <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, I just I'm like, wow, so Machiavellian and of him. <laughs> He's definitely masterminding his way out of this. Like the song by Taylor Swift is Lorca in the situation. Like, what if I told you I was mastermind? It was all by design. Like <laughs> he knows what's up. I think the ending of Into the Forest I Go is brilliant when they first enter the mirror universe because the Vulcan, a Vulcan cruiser comes up and shoots them. And Lorca is a great actor through all of this. Like, shout out to the character Lorca and, of course, to um, Jason Isaacs, but specifically to Lorca as an actor because Lorca is so shocked. Ooh, right. Hail the clean, hail the, hail the Vulcans, you know, because he's not sure yet. Did I make it to my universe again? Yes, he he deserves an Oscar for best actor in a leading <laughs> yeah. role. Absolute <laughs> yes. fantastic job. Like Lorca has all of us clenched mm-hmm. in his grasp this entire yeah. time. I I agree and he continues to use Federation terminology mm-hmm. the entire time. Yeah, exactly. And I love how it ends with the Cooper destroying the rebels and them hailing them and saying spooked by rebels discovery. I'm like, "Oh, there they go." You know, like I think here figuring out what was going on for the first time was definitely one of those like no like 
this can't be, is this a mirror universe thing? You know, and you're like, hang on. Um, because the spore drive is such a convenient way to get us there. You know, I think it's one of the best uses of our mirror universe travel we've had since the original ion storm transporter, which we also see in this. But I was frankly very impressed, you know, by this and by the end of forest I go into despite yourself, this two basically they're all like a you know five-parter I feel like it's one of those deep space nine episodes that's like has this very long arc yeah thank you for saying that totally agree and I love I, I agree with you the the mycelial network to use that to get to the mirror universe is genius and could easily be a plot to get to Kelvin could get to any oh other gosh. universe you want to Don't so to me. <laughs> but it <laughs> i'm saying it, it so opens true. up a door for the writers and they can choose to use it or not i mean i know season five i think the the summary just dropped for disco season five and i don't think there's any mirrors so we can just start getting sad but you know yeah. there are, there's movies coming out we never know what can happen but i i think it's genius to use the mycelial network for this which has been the, the core and the whole reason why discovery is so special so i do want to set the scene a little bit in we're moving on to despite yourself <laughs> um directed by jay frank hey jay frank's what's going on son yes welcome welcome we see that saru is freaking out he's like oh my gosh the sensors are going haywire and then we can't use standard procedure to find the location of where we're at and which i just thought because i'm a nerd i thought this was interesting that if a ship doesn't know where they are what they're able to do is scan like calculate where the geographical core is like the center of the of their of the galaxy and then calculate based off of that so it's like okay yeah. well a core is south oh, cool. and we're like this far away so we must be like in the alpha That's quadrant amazing. around like remus or whatever mm -hmm. but even that is like once he's able to do that he's like okay well we're still in the alpha quadrant i don't know what's going on they find out eventually that the quantum signatures are different and that is the first main clue that they get that they're not in the same universe because it's impossible to fake a quantum signature because that's like the fingerprint of the universe that you're from. And this is what Michael says. And then it's Lorca. He's like, we must be in a different universe. So he's just like, okay, you guys are so slow. Please catch up with me. Like we're in the mirror universe. Like, or to me, you're the mirrors. But anyway. He even yeah. admits to work telling them that he was working on a theory with Stamets about entering a parallel universe. So, you know, obviously, like you said, Ashlyn, like all those promises of, oh, after the war, <laughs> we'll, um, you know, pursue this more so yeah i thought that was interesting yeah so you're trapped in the mirror universe what do you do luckily there is a ton of debris around them and so they search around the klingon debris there's like a whole effort ash like freaks out we're not really going to talk about ash um too much yeah. but there's a Sorry, whole bud. subplot going on in discovery <laughs> um, where yeah. ash is like having a mental breakdown and he's becoming he's becoming <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they retrieve a Klingon. Uh, I have it. Core. They, yeah, they retrieve a Klingon data core. Michael notes that it's a Vulcan design, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And once they're able to decode it, they see that the Klingons, Vulcans, and Dorians have all allied themselves against the humans, and they are fighting the Terran Empire. Michael will later go on to say most of the non-human species are a part of this alliance. 
And that's how they find out also information about their counterparts in this universe because they run into the problem where the Cooper comes back and says, hey, Discovery, like, why are you still lurking around here? Obviously, they were retrieving the core. But when Saru looks at the data, he's like, uh, Tilly has to answer because she's the captain in this universe, which throws which really adds a lot of humor into this episode, which I like I yes. don't I don't expect to laughter in a mirror universe episode. So this was a really nice moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tilly is struggling. And then we hear Lorca's beautiful Scottish accent. I mean, best yeah. actor. Are you kidding? <laughs> yes. Okay, Jason. I absolutely love when particularly, I don't know why this happens a lot, but particularly Scottish actors have to pretend to use another accent. This happened with David Tennant. And I feel like Michael Fassbender too, like everyone. It's like having three nickels and it's like weird that yeah. you have three of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just love this though. And I love getting to hear it. You know, it's sort of seeing the crews, but also the actors' reactions is really cute. Yeah, I, I was thinking this actually because once everybody, they go into full LARP mode, they get into yeah. the mirror outfits, they have to like 3D print them and yeah. like, I mean, they're replicating them, you know. <laughs> Um, technology. I know, but it's cool to me. Um, <laughs> so anyway, they have to make themselves look like how they look in the mirror universe. So mm -hmm. Tilly straightening her hair, everybody's in the like fascist outfits. And um, I was wishing, you know, if I could just jump into this episode for one moment, it would be to be like have a very small role on the bridge and mm -hmm. watch all of my bridge crew <laughs> like act like pretend yes. to be like tilly's pretending Even. to be captain yeah. she's talking about like i will cut off your tongue and use it to lick my boots and then the yeah. guy is like whoa like i that wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing to be like Incredible. wow these all people went through starfleet training now we're in the mirror universe and they are like acting to like get us through this yes. crazy adventure what a good point angela that would be just a blast to see I also, okay, I have a question that may seem very random, but I actually think it would be interesting to ask, and I have multiple theories on this, but why does Lorca have a Tribble? Okay, because this has been a running, I don't know, joke or whatever, like reference throughout Discovery. He just has this little Tribble on his desk that he never feeds, so it never reproduces, right? I thought it was like neutered, yeah. Maybe, but I guess, but yeah. If you don't feed a triple, they don't do anything. So <laughs> <laughs> they just so live. I have some questions about this because my first thought was he thinks this will make him softer, like look more softer and more approachable with a cuddly little triple on his uh, desk. And but then I thought maybe in the mirror universe, there's like they're used as a weapon or like used, you know, used against the Klingons. Um, and Lurk was like, I'm gonna look this, I'm gonna have this triple look so metal. Like <laughs> these these weapons are so strong, but people are like, oh, triples are just cute in this universe. Or is it like a power thing because he doesn't feed it so it doesn't grow. So he just like has this one triple captive. I don't know why I went down this like rabbit <laughs> hole, but like, I really, I don't know. I just think it's so fascinating, especially same sort of with the fortune cookies. Like what can that tell us about? I mean, obviously the fortune cookies are very obvious because he's always talking about fate and destiny. And I made my destiny. Yeah. If he doesn't say that. He's like, I was destined to destiny. find you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a very like kind of culty religio sounding speak. Um, 
But anyway, I don't know. It maybe has no meaning and maybe they just wanted to like reference a triple, but I really do think that like why would he have one otherwise unless it was to manipulate, to pow to use in power or to like motivate people with fear or something. I don't know. So to me, I I make up my own story and I think Lorca probably killed the like murdered the triple homeworld because we know that the Klingons mm. did like they went to war with the triples mm -hmm. and what if the Terran Empire got there first which they they might have I mean mm -hmm. if they're like spreading around trying to dominate planets what if Lorca was the one to do that and oh. so the triple is like you know when like some hunters will keep like teeth yeah. from lions totally. which is terrible you know like they'll keep trophies of yeah. the things that they've done and so Lorca did not have a triple on him when he transported from, you know like right. from yeah. the from but the maybe he found it he's like haha this is a symbol of my like, he just wanted some comfort so I don't know like it would be weird if he like sought out a triple which maybe he did a support triple like maybe, maybe actually he's like you and I will get through this <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind yeah. of like your and hate your explanation that or your your guess that he it's the power thing that he just doesn't mm -hmm. feed it and he has like some life is at his mercy. But then all of them would know like, oh, there aren't more triples because he's starving it. Like what you think like Hugh would be like um, animal cruelty, yeah. <laughs> like the tardigrade yeah. cruelty, you know? Well, I wonder that too. No one stood up really for the tardigrade enough. Even Michael <laughs> tried, but Lorca was like, anyway. <laughs> like, He's you like, know, the war. Because to him, animals are like on par with other aliens that he just wants to like wipe out. So, yeah. Except the whale. They they let him save the whale in the mud the episode. That's true. But, but he uh, was in deep cover, so. <laughs> he was very begrudging of that. <laughs> yeah, you know, very good points all around. I love this triple talk. I just was so curious about it. Leave your comments about what why you think Lorca has a triple on his desk. Yep, um, exactly. There's some other things we have to discuss and they are, once once they get the, the Cooper off their ass and Tilly's like Captain Tilly, they have to figure out how do we get back home? And so they're scouring through this Klingon data core and they find the thing that shocked me to my data core that, <laughs> They have secret, like, decrypted files about the effing USS Defiant that traveled around and got Empress Hoshi her spot. Like, they don't mention her, but <laughs> I mean, I have to <laughs> yeah. mention her. Like, they, the future ship, the Defiant, and Saru is shaken by this. He's like, um, the Defiant was patrolling Sector 6 in our universe at the last time that Saru checked, because he loves the Defiant, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Uh, then Michael says there may be a temporal anomaly at play. So I just want to walk it through what's going, ha what's, what's happening right now. And to our listeners who didn't watch the Enterprise episode last week, this is or literally, or, or didn't watch it or listen to us talk about <laughs> it. Yeah. This is ripped directly from that plot line. So mm -hmm. yes, there are two defiants there. We started off in the prime universe. The defiant got trapped in a net sent by the Tholians and their classic web and mm -hmm. it was taken back through time and space so it's in the mirror universe but about a hundred plus years previously in Archer's timeline Archer found it took it over and it is a ship from the hundred years in the future like of course it's dominant it's totally 
like dominating and very powerful. So that they they see this ship, uh, the Defiant, and they don't know what I just said about how the Defiant was taken to the mirror universe, but they are hoping that maybe they can use that same way. However, the Defiant got to the mirror universe, we can do the opposite and get home. So yeah. this is all a ploy. And if you're a hardcore Enterprise fan, when this first episode came out, you knew right away mm -hmm. that's not going to work because the Tholians are in that like crazy sector of space. Like there's no way to replicate that at all. And yeah. also it drove everybody mad too. Michael essentially discovers the Defiant logs and discovers that they crossed through a rift or they were going to answer their fake distress call from the Tholians. And so then they crossed through this rift, but as they were going to cross through the rift, they all start started to essentially go mad and to kill each other, tear each other apart, as Michael said. So this is essentially fixing our biggest loophole in Enterprise that we literally talked about in last week's episode about it being just a little bit weird that that was the one key point in the Tholian web in the original series of the broken neck. And then it was still a key point in Enterprise, but never explained why the neck was broken. So now we understand that this fluidic space, or no, that's... Um, <laughs> that's 8472... Um, uh, um, they discover that this area of space, yeah, does sort of create this madness. So either way, devastating for them because Michael has to go to the Shenzo, Shenzo and become the captain in order to get the Defiant Logs in the first place. And then turns out the Logs are just not great. And the only thing that they can do is think, oh, maybe we should go to that part of space and investigate. But in order to do that, they have to go talk to rebel base you know it's just like one thing after another of trying to find the location and that's when of course they run into the Charon, the sharon Charon, whatever um the empress's ship but yeah i just think this stuff with the defiant is so fascinating and so incredible to be able to give of course the characters motivation give them something to do in the plot but also still tying to star trek and to the sort of lore of the mirror universe that like enterprise had discovered so deeply yeah it, it made me so happy to get an answer to that question like oh mm -hmm. that type of time tra that type of travel just caused them to go insane that's good yeah. to know as you said rihanna michael does eventually go on and she is stuck being captain of her old mirror ship for a couple days before she goes over she is doing some research into this universe because she wants to be as informed as possible she has to be able to act the part of her terran counterpart and she is talking to i think tilly about this because mm. tilly's like how do i become captain killy like she is a terrible person i don't want to be her and michael says taryn's strength is born out of pure necessity because they live in constant fear always looking for the next knife aimed at their back their strength is painted rust it's a facade and so she tells Ooh, tilly then ready. your strength comes from the crew because we all believe you we all support you and you can get your strength from us like we believe in you so you should believe in you and yes. I mean, great advice just in general, like way to have a squad that has your back, you know? Yes. And, and how <laughs> captains tend to do that. That is where captains get their strength is from their crew. And that's also such a beautiful way of thinking about it. Exactly right. The way that Michael returns to her ship is she knows that the last time she was seen, she was out hunting Lorca and trying to find him and bring him back slash go be allied well, with him. I think she was like 
allied with him and then last she was seen they were like presumed dead and Lorca was missing yes so they make up this story about her like hunting him to the ends of the earth or whatever yes thank you Rihanna so that's how they make their mighty return and I see Lorca has his jacket on and he does the classic smash his face and you know go to, to make him smash his <laughs> yeah. face go to work as we talked about in the villain episode he I, once I see him back in that jacket, I, again, knowing how this plays out, I'm thinking, how is he not just, like, screaming with joy? He's be like, my right. favorite jacket, you know, like, <laughs> I'm back where I belong, and right. oh, I'm about to, like, accomplish my plan that I've been waiting and meticulously planning for for over a year. That's how they get back, and that's how he gets back into the mirror universe, and he goes right into an agony chamber, and Michael yeah. brings Ash, by the way, as her personal guard at the request of, I think that's what Lorca orders. It's like, yeah. bring Ash. <laughs> yeah, which what? No, thank you. Not right now. He literally just is just about to kill Colbert. Yeah, Ashlyn, I want to read a quote that he said to Michael right before he smashed his face. <laughs> he said, we're Terrans. Decency is weakness. It will get us killed. You do what you must, whatever you must, to anyone. Oh my. That is just not not, not a rule of life to live on, I feel like. Um, but it, it, it's incidentally showing how intimately he knows this world. And Michael sees it pretty quickly. I mean, it's obvious. I think, like, this kind of, like, brutal um, violence and barbarism shown by the Terran Empire is, like, you know, pretty easy to pinpoint where it's coming from, from a lot of people, especially people like Michael who have seen terror up close and seen what it does to people um and so i think that these quotes are really interesting as she's talking about the mirror universe um Lorca even says to tilly defy your every instinct you know that's sort of the basis of the mirror universe and of tilly's command you know and you see her turn it on though like you see that in the moment when she needs to she starts acting and same with michael right when she beams aboard uh, the Shinzo again she is just a different person and she is such a good actor and just like literally like it said like she said born out of pure necessity you know so she just has to act her the, the way her way through this but I love it she does her scary voice she like strokes Lorca's head as she's like has him on his knee she's like I have him and is like back with Connor or whatever was that Connor I hate him <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I shouldn't because he's just like you know another but he's another mirror universe guy who's just trying to get power um but I just think all of these scenes where she has to turn it on she has to sort of embrace the evilness within herself that we all sort of hold that's you know I think what's so different about us versus Terrans is that they just are like uh adhering to those evil instincts or those evil animalistic yeah, yeah exactly so I just I think this is um, really interesting as they prepare themselves to get into this universe, they have to prepare themselves for the mindset, you know, and it is something that I think you have to sort of like mentally fortify yourself for. Wow. Thank you for saying that, Rihanna. I think that Tilly has such an interesting arc throughout the show of Discovery, and she is just precious in this first season. But I think her having to step up into this role of Captain Kelly I think it plays a part in where she eventually will go to. She has always said she wants to be a captain. She ends up, you know, being a teacher, but she gains so much confidence throughout Discovery. And I can't help but feel like having to play this part and having to get to know your 
Taryn counterpart has got to have influenced her in some way. So I really felt like I was, which, you know, we saw that in Enterprise too, where, totally. you know, once people hear about what their counterparts did, it's almost like not a challenge because obviously like Tilly doesn't want to kill everyone, but sure. like, oh, if she could be a captain of a ship, I could be too. Like we're the same person. Like we went through different things, but maybe that's in the cards for me as well. So I, yes. I couldn't help but see a, a vision of her future when I saw her at be so crazy as Killy. And then, yeah, Michael does a great job as well. I think the things I'm most impressed by of people acting in this mirror universe is the scenes. We don't get very many, but in the Despite Yourself and The Wolf Inside and Vaulting Ambition, we get scenes where Lorca is in the agony booth and this man, he's in there for like the entire four or five days or whatever that Michael yeah. is on the ship. And there are some scenes where it's just him and the guy who's like torturing him. And I think that is when I'm most impressed by Lorca because obviously for us as viewers, we don't know that he's Mirror. So the choices that he's making like to speak and to pretend even while he's being tortured that he's prime Lorca is yeah. masterful. I, I, I don't know how he does it. Like he just chooses words that could be interpreted like any way, like it could be interpreted as true for Mira Lorca, but also true for Prime. So this man yes. truly is a mastermind. And I do think the four days of torture does wear him down because Michael- <laughs> yeah, as it would. Michael keeps con like having checkups with him. It's like, hey, how you doing? Like, you're still my captain. How's the plan going? Like giving him updates. And by the last day he's out, he's just, he's starting to get kind of brutal. Like his true self is coming back. And she's like, you've been in there too long. Like your torture's starting to show up, essentially is what she says. And <laughs> yeah. he's just like, uh, yeah, my be, you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Totally. <laughs> oh man, that is so true. I hadn't thought about that much. I think, yeah, the, Agony booths are really up and running in these episodes. Um, thanks to Malcolm Reed, I guess. <laughs> we have him to thank for those horrible devices. Um, they, we see that in The Wolf Inside, too, that Michael has a lot of, like, obviously inner thoughts about this universe. And I think some of it is just so interesting to read. So I'm just going to read a couple of her lines. She says, I can't rest here, not really. It's like waking from the worst nightmare I could imagine. Even the light is different, you know? And and she says, can you bury your heart? Can you hide your decency? Um, and she sort of is remarking that what she's fearing the most is becoming one of them. And that, like, they're all still human here. And so they're all still capable of this. And she is capable of this, you know, in the first moments basically she's back on the ship she has to kill connor someone who she watched die in the war that she kind of started so it's it's really just i can't imagine the amount of emotional turmoil on you know just like layered on this when and we haven't even gotten to the ash betrayal yet you know like it's still this is when she thinks she has an ally in ash um to go back to like a bed you know a warm bed to go back to basically with ash um and all that sort of comes crashing down when they meet with the firewolf and all of that. But God, I just, I think this is so interesting and I really love getting to hear her inner dialogue. I know some people think it's cheesy when she does all of that, but I love it. I think the writing's so beautiful for it when we get to hear what Michael's going through. 
Yeah, and we don't have captain's logs right now. It's not like captain's yeah, log. Yeah. I'm being tortured yeah. again. The you know, it's different here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> captain's log. Sometime, <laughs> like Kirk. Come on, you oh know what day it is. God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, okay. What you said, I've I've been thinking about a couple things since your beautiful speech, Rihanna. Um, Michael also says it's been two days. They're already inside my head, and she also remarks that the cosmos has have lost their beauty as well and so i can't help but think like being stuck in that brutal world you don't you can't appreciate the beauty of being in space and what's around you because you just have to survive there's no living in this universe it's only survival no and there's no time for tears or grief or like it's just always keeping one eye open for this next backstabber and yeah you don't get yeah. to breathe so there's also a couple of really interesting parallels that I had never noticed when I've watched these episodes before. And the first one happens in the episode, Despite Yourself. I forgot to say too, this is the one in when we had our death fakeout series that there were five death fakeouts. So this is like a legendary <laughs> episode in the <laughs> death fakeout insane. series because yeah. yeah, anyway, it's that just cracks me up thinking about mm -hmm. all the death fakeouts in this one, but in, including the main one is um, that poor, Poor Hugh gets murdered in this episode by Ash Tyler. And th there's not really like anything mirror going on, but uh, this yes, is, Volk. yeah. So Volk is coming out. He murders him needlessly. And then it flashes to Michael is on board with her cat, like being a captain, convincing everybody that she's back, she's alive. And then she gets in a triple lift with Connor and she has to kill him because he's trying to kill her because he said when you left they all accepted me as their captain but they didn't bow deep enough and so he Ooh. tries to kill michael michael's ready she's read about this universe she yeah. knows like i have to stop all the knives coming at me she's caesar and you know she's like oh yeah, i will yeah. stop the knives yeah exactly she's like i read about this guy so she's ready to go and she ends up killing him has an epic entrance onto the bridge honestly because his body connor's body falls out of the turbo lift onto the bridge and she steps yes. over him and takes her post clap. as captain Ooh, yeah i mean so such a sip she's yes here's like, yours captain i think that she was totally like oh smash they are smashing yeah. i think, I think yeah. yeah or simping i yeah. think it might be unrequited but i think Debra is just like constantly in love with michael <laughs> i totally agree um i before we say smash or pass i do want to get to my parallels so you know work first then play sure, sure. um so then after that we see that ash and michael come together in her room this is the in her quarters are the only place that she's safe really and immediately you know she's telling ash everything that happened and he's just like you have me like you're my tether to this universe and they she says i love you back to him and then they they do it they bang and they both just killed someone today they Ooh. literally the last thing that they did before smashing is killing someone and so what like that that i just think is a great like example of what the mirror universe is doing to them obviously it's ash and his vogue stuff but i just yeah, think the more still. more symbolic of like wow 
you would never have guessed that these two characters like did a murder on the same day that's and incredible. that's an incredible parallel yeah the other parallel that i noticed is in the episode wolf inside because michael has to do these periodic check-ins with saru on the discovery because they're trying to revive Stamets because he's gone into this like comatose, milky eyed state because he's trapped in the network and saying a bunch of random stuff like the enemy is here. And all yeah, this. The anyway, yeah, the palace. Yeah, he's freaking out. So they're doing their own science. And when Michael talks to Saru, they have this check in. He says, oh, like, I'm just curious. Are there any Kelpians in your universe? And she knows that they eat the Kelpians, like they're the slaves, essentially. And like the one who is his Saru's counterpart is like her personal servant. She's Mm -hmm. like, he's bathing her. He's taking care of her. He's getting her ready for things. Then they eat Kelpians all the time. And she ends up accidentally eating Saru, like without knowing, (laughs) which is Mm -hmm. very dark in what's uh, in Vaulting Ambition. But Mm -hmm. So she she holds that fact back from Saru. She doesn't say she's like, nope, there are no Kelpians. Sorry, full stop. Haven't seen them. Yeah, haven't seen them. But we've seen in a scene later scene, we see Tilly and Saru talking and Tilly's like, we have to tell Michael about Hugh dying and being murdered. And Saru's like, no, this like awful situation, like we can't tell her it will like distract her from the mission, which is too important. And so Saru was also like they're both holding back really really important facts from each other and they're supposed to be working on their trust and friendship Mm -hmm. and everything like trying to rebuild their relationship but again now that they're in the mirror it's more complicated because of these like primal instincts that are coming up from everybody so I just I thought it was interesting how the writers are weaving these characters to have these interesting parallels going on on all these different ships especially because they both end up finding out in terrible ways. Yep. I think uh, George O says like yesterday we dined on his brethren and now you answer to him or something like along those lines, you know, that's a horrible way to find out about the Kelpians. And then I can't remember how Michael finds out about Colbert, but I think it might've been through Ash. No, I think Ash tells her. Yeah. As Volk. Yeah. <laughs> Vocalish <laughs> Dutch bearer. <laughs> okay, anyway, um, love doing that. Love just walking around the house, being like, Kalish. <laughs> you know, actually, Danny. Whenever I'm watching Star Trek and there's any Klingons, even if it's uh-huh. just Worf, he's yeah. like, Dukuvma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Discovery was one of his first Trek. It right? was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that. That's amazing. Yeah. So. Michael is really having to deal with the wolf inside both the fire wolf um who is this really cool and underrated character I feel like um their fire wolf is is Volk in this universe yeah it's mere Volk yeah yeah which is crazy cool and that is when we meet Sarek as well that Ashlyn would align with um and honestly the coolest Sarek ever. No offense to Prime Sarek, but this guy's way cooler. He's starting a rebellion. He's a little more flu- free with his emotions, like we talked about in the other episode of in Enterprise. You know that Vulcans are a little less restrained in this universe, um, for better or for worse. Who knows? Um, and just the resistance is is still strong here. You know, through the Klingons, Andorians, Tellarites, Vulcans, all you know, so many species aligning against 
you know, against the empire, against their hate or with their hatred. And Volk even describes to Michael, they've united because, quote, a Terran enemy is a Klingon friend. Wow. Yeah, exactly. They're an enemy of an enemy is my friend or my mm-hmm. alliance buddy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I Okay. When I saw Sarek, I was thinking a lot of things. First of all, obviously, we know Mirror Spock is chilling on the Enterprise and he's alive at this time. Like, you know, yes. when we see Sarek. So that means in, in both universes, Spock joined Starfleet to piss off his dad. <laughs> <laughs> because he's like, oh, you're the leader of the rebellion? Well, screw yeah. you. I'm going to Starfleet. I'm, going to <laughs> I'm literally going to the heart of the Terran Empire. Like, I'm going to do some science on that vessel. So yeah. goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so true. Insane of him. (laughs) But he ends up starting a revolution as well and changing reforms in his own way. So, like, I love that he will end up still being like his father, just like in the Ambassador Spock, Ambassador Sarek. Yep. He ends up he ends up doing what his daddy wanted all along, but (laughs) in his own way, you know. Yeah, in his own Um, journey. (laughs) Get wrecked. So I okay, important question. We've reached a a crossroads, Rihanna. This let's do a smash or pass marathon right now. We we are imagine we're in the rebel tent. Um so we've got like a bunch of people to choose from. Um (laughs) so I'm gonna say Mirror Sarek, smash or pass. Pass. No. You kidding us? Even as like awesome as he is, no, no, pa- smash. No, Rihanna, you're wrong. I was bearded. Sarah <laughs> can get it. Oh my god, all you love is your beards. <laughs> I don't, I don't love beards. I'm stroking bearded Spock, little action figure face right now. <laughs> okay, um, fine. Mirror Volk then, Ashlyn. Smash, pass, pass, pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, pass. <laughs> Ash Tyler. Slash well, Volk. we don't see him in mirror. But yeah, still, but is pass. He in a tent? pass. In the yeah, tent he is in the tent. Okay, pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, that total I... right. No, just kidding. <laughs> okay, he, so yeah, so let's go. Let's go back to the ship. So, Detmer, smash or pass? Oh, it's an incident. Smash. For smash. Me. Same. Yep. Michael, smash. Of course. Smash. Of course. Um, Tilly, Lorca, <laughs> smash. Sorry. Pass. <laughs> all the passes and all the universes. I'm nope. gonna. I'm gonna pass Tilly. Mm, smashing Killy for sure, for sure, for sure. Well, Killy or Tilly oh. as Killy. Ooh, both. We're gonna, both. we're we're gonna, yeah. I mean, both. We'll talk about Killy later. Yeah. Um, how Tilly about as Killy? I would like be like, yeah, smash me. Please. Actually, yeah, probably. <laughs> how about Giorgio? Oh, smash, smash, smash. Yes, <laughs> the easiest, smash. the easiest yes I've ever said. <laughs> Hugh? Um, Hugh and Colbert? Okay, so we don't see Hugh until later, but smash the fuck out of him uh, in Mirror Universe. And um, Stamets is just like a no for me in any universe. I'm sorry. Yeah, smash, pass Stamets, smash Giorgio, absolutely smash um, Colbert. He, he's <laughs> like my Mayweather equivalent in yeah. this episode. Like he does, he barely speak, not in this episode, but in uh, Terra Firma part one of you, like he does yes. not speak, in the red uniform. but he Ooh. is the hottest person in the entire ship. Mm, yeah. The absolutely. They all mm, okay. I love the black lipstick. I love everything is so extra in the empire, especially like I love all the gold uniforms. It's very, it feels very Imperial. It feels very like gilded a guilt is that right you know yeah, like sort of yeah. that gilded age of like ruling and domination 
um especially calling it an empire you know is is just so on brand for all of them like they love being extra um and it works it kind of does work to be honest you know actually um my, my friend on tiktok leia they have an amazing Giorgio cosplay that they did for uh, mission chicago and i was looking for them all day and didn't find them but we were messaging on tiktok and it's like i was looking for you but i saw your tiktok cosplays and their cosplay for Giorgio is like phenomenal they did the whole the whole like battle armor suit thing and the headpiece so yeah i just applaud you know the the costuming department for discovery as well because they make the mirror universe look so different and feel so different you know with just just them you know larping getting ready changing it to the iss discovery and doing all of that was really cool but also just the details in the uh charon or charon or whatever itself the ship the fleet the head of the fleet ship or whatever the royal navy ship i don't know what it's called absolutely agree and i think this leads us to I think address what we've been talking about the whole mirror series which is for the most part like the mirror universe is a sexier like sluttier version of (laughs) our own and queer version version, more everyone's like more accepting there's a line it's not in any of these episodes but Giorgio does say to Stamets like I was doing stuff with you and your husband like we had we had a bunch of fun together and she's like propositioning them she's like do you want to like keep going like let's reestablish this exciting times we have so um no (laughs) yeah yeah, absolutely love it though but i i will Giorgio's pan queen i oh yes a thousand percent they don't have tummy shirts like there's no crop tops in the mirror universe the women aren't showing more skin than the men they are able to make these uniforms i think really practical Mm -hmm. and because there's battles breaking out daily i don't think they any of them have to go to the gym because they're working out like trying to defend for their lives every single day (laughs) like that's their gym workout so agreed they they don't have to be like scanty costumes Mm -hmm. or because that doesn't make sense you have to have armor you're about to die like you want to protect your skin so i think they do a great job of making the like sexy mirror universe uniforms but it's not at the point of like objecting the actors to be in really uncomfortable outfits the whole time so i just think great job mirror you know and like that being said there we do get one lingerie scene did you see this with michael she like wakes up with ash did i see that that, ashlyn what do you think i think that was the hell out of that (laughs) (laughs) sonequa martin greed has my heart and soul she is just oh my god we also see her in a tank top later i was like oh my god i was like sweating i was like oh tank trek is my favorite type of star trek yeah so i couldn't help but feel that the lingerie was a reference to hoshi in uh it's the sexy 90 part two um the return Mm, of but but it's it's fine and also i thought it was that was still like quote unquote modest you know it was still like a one piece which i think was also a really great choice it's not still about the stomachs and the accentuating the boobs and you know no it agreed it's but also it's very clear that her and ash because saru walks in on them and like Mm -hmm. as soon as he walks in michael's like get out of here you know acting like oh 
He's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Ash, he's like shirtless. Yeah, like they're almost rom com of them. Like you know how that happens when they're like caught or whatever. Exactly. That's what yeah. But that's the that's the exact effect that they're going for. And so to have Michael in lingerie, it's like this. It it just it's perfect for the scene. It works. It's yeah. not like extraneous. She's and not naked. Like, you know, it looks like a woman designed the lingerie. You know, I might be wrong, but I feel like a lot of this episode succeeds in their sort of feminist checklist because it one doesn't have the women fighting and still talking about only men yes <laughs> which has happened and it also has like you said this practical look for the women and men that is still incredibly sexy like showing that all of these people can be incredibly sexy while not having to be you know showing off every single part of themselves and also just the writing itself you know it shows how much can be done when your head writers aren't sexist <laughs> and you know aren't thinking about how can I make the women look as hot as possible they're thinking about how can I make everyone look hot how can I make this whole place look sleek and cutthroat but also so uniform and so you know almost pressure valve <laughs> like everyone's just kind of it's very pressured and high intense society but and that's kind of shown throughout the costuming and the writing and everything totally totally agree with you rihanna masterful i mean this is all so thoughtful you you mm -hmm. can tell they spent a long amount of time planning all this out i do wonder you know after emperor Giorgio falls maybe whoever is the next emperor wants a sluttier empire yeah, so then they or maybe it's just starfleet specifically that rolls mm -hmm. out the really slutty like starfleet. <laughs> yeah. slutty starfleet yeah <laughs> i can see that they're like our new line's gonna be sexier than ever <laughs> <laughs> i mean they change the uniforms all the time can you imagine yeah. kirk is like oh god i gotta Not wear another. this this tank trek now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, Spock. They gave us these slutty two-piece outfits. Spock's like, I prefer the long sleeve version. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I sewed some sleeves on my uniform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, God. That's too true. Rihanna, Mirror Saru, smash or pass? Smash. <laughs> too fast um, he'd be gentle, you have to pretend to precious. think oh god no I pass no 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 pass 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 <laughs> don't say gentle to me i don't like it <laughs> we know my types okay oh whoa smash. oh, I oh smash my lord so hard i would do anything so for her Yes. And so powerful. Like, Oa would be my personal guard if I had to choose. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who would you choose to be your personal I mean, guard? Detmer, but like, she's not loyal to me. <laughs> loyal to Michael only. Um, probably Oa Shakun, like, to be honest, because she is just very, very strong and powerful and also like takes no shit from anyone you know so that that is enjoyable to, to be around. Absolutely. Um, wow. Yeah, what about Bryce and Reese? Those two little Reese Reese smash. Yeah. You know, Bryce smash. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, I think smash, I'd smash them both, both actually. Yeah. They're mm -hmm. they're both they're cute in either universe to They're be feisty. I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know, and I kind of wished that Discovery had addressed how they did in TOS and Enterprise is addressing the non-humans aboard Discovery and what their role was it seems like this age of, of starfleet and the empire and everything like don't want anyone working on their ships who aren't terran but i was still like it could have been interesting to see linus in this role or see like some of our like other 
can't think of any right now. There's no <laughs> Arium. Yeah, Arium, Arium's there just like as a human, like did not end up being a cyborg at all. So we got to see Arium's actor and everything. It was phenomenal. But that was only in the terra firma. So wow, I missed that scene. On. No, Dang. I screamed. I was when they said like Commander Arium, I was like, ah! <laughs> um, it was really cool to, to see her back. But anyway, yeah, I feel like that could have just been an interesting thing to put in. Like, could we have seen Linus at the Alliance tent, you know, or something like that? Like, that could have been a really Alliance, cool like... Linus would not be ranked that high to be in the tent. <laughs> you never know what his mirror counterpart went through. Maybe he's, like, a real badass. <laughs> just, like, like, buff. <laughs> you never know. Um, I'm just Smash. saying it could have been cool. Smash <laughs> Smash this buff mirror Linus. That we just made up. Just yeah. Made up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Okay, so I think let's jump to the reveal of Giorgio because mm -hmm. all of this happens. Giorgio has to warp across the quadrant in her Karen to come and clean up the mess that Michael has made because she was ordered to go down to i guess we'll talk about the scene first and then Giorgio will come in a second so yeah, this, um the fabled tent we've been discussing yeah 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 this is this is where the tank comes in so <laughs> um, <laughs> so Giorgio has ordered michael to exterminate the base like kill the rebel base instead of Death Star technology li literally so in, instead of destroying the rebel base with the ship she and ash as Lorca orders them to do like he agrees like just take ash go down just the two of you because if more people go down then there's a risk that your true objective will be discovered which is true and also Lorca's plan heavily relies on michael not effing all of this up so he's like please have it together you know but i also think Lorca's plan could he's like well we could pivot and if she fucks up then the emperor's here and i have my opportunity to get on board you know true. so either way it's going to work in his favor. <laughs> very, very good point, Rihanna. So Michael does go down there. Everyone's kind of sus. Detmer's like, why are you going down there alone? Michael says, oh, I had so much fun on my adventure to get Lorca. You know, I'm, I'm bloodthirsty <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so her and Ash go down and they, you know, we come in peace, the whole thing. Yeah. They get taken to this wonderful tent. And <laughs> this is <laughs> when we find out that Voke is the leader of the rebellion. Michael, I love her. I love her so much. She's like, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to tell you about this attack that's about to occur. And in return, you have to give me something. And so Sarek, this is when our beautiful man, he comes, he mind melds with her and he like freaks out. He's like, there's a beautiful universe where you're from. You're like, yeah. he's overjoyed to read her mind and find like, whoa, I'm your dad in an alternate universe. Yeah. Like what's going on? This is a lot to unpack for him. And he unpacks none of it, essentially. He just says like, yeah, she's trustworthy. She's cool. Mm -hmm. He does not mind meld with Ash for some ridiculous reason. Um, oh, that would have been nice, but like, um, there's two consciousnesses. He's like, by here. the way, <laughs> like, oh wait, that's Voke. There's Voke in here. Like, Voke is also here. <laughs> yeah, we're in the room. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly right. I feel his presence. So he gets the clear, the all all clear from Sarek. So they start evacuating everybody, and Michael's like, okay, here's the thing I want. I want to ask you some questions. So she sets up a microphone and she makes her own podcast asking Voke, how did you unite the Klingons? Because she's thinking 
because she's so optimistic. She's like, <laughs> yeah. if I can figure out why the, these Miraclingons were able to collaborate and why all these species were able to collaborate, maybe that'll give us to an answer to the Klingon war that we're dealing with at home. <laughs> but like, girly, yeah. you're asking for too much. And so she's yeah. like firing away these like <laughs> yes. very thoughtful, beautiful questions oh at Vogue. And I he's just this. like, he's it's like, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what's happening? Like, this we is crazy. Just applied because we had to. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You were murdering all of us. Like, yeah, that's, that's what yeah. he gives is like first we had to unify as Klingons and mm. then we had to unify with other species against the Empire because we had to take out the biggest threat that was basically yes. his answer yeah well, and if you think about it which is so devastating to me we know that Giorgio Empress Giorgio has indeed like destroyed Kronos and we can assume that the Klingons are now you know a race who has lost a great deal of their population the fact that when Volk when Ash starts speaking in Klingon to Volk, he says the Klingon tongue is forgotten. And it, it just like devastated me to think about how because of this destruction of Kronos, because of this destruction of culture itself that the Terran Empire has inflicted on the Klingons, the Klingon tongue itself, the, the, the language has been forgotten and has barely spoken. Similar to what we were talking about last week with T'Pol not even allowed to show the live long and prosper sign in private with another Vulcan. Like even that is too dangerous, you know? And so when when a conqueror seeks to destroy everything, it's not just destroying the people, but the culture, the language, the the very roots that that is in a society. That is what occupiers want to uproot and want to claim as their own and want to completely dominate. And so like, that's such an important reminder. And I'm so glad that they hinted to this and discussed this in this part of the episode that not only has Miravok lost, you know, his people and his homeworld, but also his language, you know, and he now is speaking this sort of foreign tongue in order to save the remainder of his species. So Ooh, it just breaks my heart and it and it really hurts to think about, you know, and it, it hurts to think about like in our own society who have we downtrodden on so much that have like completely tried to assimilate culture as Americans that we have done to indigenous people on our lands, Canadians, Australians, UK, you know, like all over the world has chosen that instead of letting cultures flourish, we're going to colonize and dominate that culture and make it into ours. You know, we're sharing our love of our culture. It's like Zuko says, what an amazing lie that was, you know? Oh, anyway. oh we love Zuko. <laughs> Avatar love reference, Zuko. amazing. <laughs> like unpacking his own colonizer behavior. Like we'd love to see it. Yeah. Yes, Rihanna, this is an amazing point to bring up as well. What a simple way to show the depth of the sadness that has occurred. Mm -hmm. That dog is back, by the way. Um, the dog but wants to be in the pod. He's so the dog's bad. like, I say smash Miravoke. And I'm like, no, you can't be on the pod. Like, <laughs> Not with those tanks. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we vet our guests. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So what a simple way to show the tragedy that has happened with the Klingons. And also, I did feel a little weird because Michael, you know, when she's on her, like, crusade trying to talk about <laughs> you know philosophize with Vogue in this tent she like points at at everyone in the tent and she's like how did you unite point to a, a proud andorian and a disagreeable <laughs> yeah. tellerite and a proud warrior klingon race Ooh, and I, i'm like you are throwing all these prime universe stereotypes mm -hmm. and i just felt like it was making her 
just seem uninformed about like the present condition of the mirror universe because if the klingons have lost their language like what else have they lost you know like yes. are they really a proud warrior race i don't know i they exactly. seem really beaten down to me mm -hmm. and so are the tellarites still like argumentative and like it, it's just don't throw around those generalizations like as much as i love exactly. michael she's just too ambitious and optimistic mm -hmm. about like trying to save everyone she possibly can and, and she's not cloudy. reading and she's too clouded she's not reading the room she doesn't yeah. realize that ash is like literally having a panic Losing attack because seeing his mirror self and this is when he attacks mirror evoke if i was michael and my personal guard attacked the leader of the rebellion without my knowledge i mean i would have like phasered him i would have stunned yeah, him stunned and been him. like absolutely stop like no Although, do, do mirror phasers have a stun setting i actually like, don't think question. they do yeah, i really they... yeah no they love the vanish setting i was thinking oh, this too my God. like mirror universe is vanish only the, yeah <laughs> the phasers everything yeah yeah and they they beam them into space the like space. vanish oh, they're like goodbye God. yeah you know yeah. how to deal with bodies yeah you know i think that those are all really brilliant points. Michael is definitely laying it on a little thick, trying to be like a, a Terran savior complex or something's going on here. Yeah, low key. I'm like, calm down, girly. Yeah. Yeah. So then, of course, she beams back up to the planet. The others are evacuating, but not in time for Mira Giorgio to come in her giant ass ship and destroy them all. This, of course, is devastating. Another blow to like the rebellion and the resistance. And this ultimate shock to Michael to first have to see Giorgio's face again, the person that she betrayed in both universes and all the universes. Also to hear that she's emperor, that she is just destroying the people she was just trying to commune with. And, you know, that it's Giorgio saying, don't you bow to your emperor. Oh, the way I just got chills up my whole spine when I saw that the first time. Absolutely amazing. Well, and thank you for saying and reminding us like betrayed in both universes. I also forgot to mention that in the, the tent, Voke does call Michael the butcher of the binary stars. Yeah. And so that means in both universes, she started the war, which is crazy as well. So mm -hmm. wow, Michael, what's going on? That conflict or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. She was at the battle of binary stars in both universes. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the Kuvma in both too. Yeah, exactly. Also, if the rebels were wiped out that day, or at least that base was, Sarah died that day. So I, I wonder if that's also something, some impetus for Mirror Spock later. Mm. Um, poor dad. Anyway, well, so thinking, yeah. yeah, absolutely screamed at this Giorgio reveal because I felt like everything was justified, like all the emotions and sadness I felt about losing prime Giorgio in so early in the season, I thought, wow, they, they thought this through. This is such an amazing, amazing plot device that they have. So when we have vaulting ambition and past prologue now, we have Michael still pretending, she pretends for a little bit that she is actual mirror Michael. And Giorgio's like, no, like <laughs> this, she this knows. is not right. Yeah. And she, she some, someone different than the, her Michael. Yeah, exactly. They have dinner together and she can tell like Michael is being so respectful to the Kelpians. And she's like, when she's eating Saru, literally, she like can't stomach it anymore. And then it comes to a head when Giorgio's like, nope, I'm going to execute you for being a traitor. So get ready. And then when she's about to die, Michael's like, okay, stop. I'm not from your universe. Lorca yeah. and I are here. We're trying to get home. So finally she comes clean about everything. 
this is good. This is when things start turning the tide because Giorgio's like, oh, she has such a weakness for Michael. And so she is willing to help her, even though she's literally the empress. Oh, yes, I do love this. And I think that it is immediately clear that her and Michael had some connection in the mirror universe, especially, you know, they're dealing with another disappointment. The defiant data has been pretty much seen as useless. They're trapped base Michael and Lorca are basically trapped on the Empress's ship. And so getting this advantage with Giorgio is perfect. And of course, this then starts to unravel what she thought she knew about Lorca the entire time, because I think the parallels here are brilliant when Giorgio starts talking about Lorca and talking about what happened in her universe, saying essentially that Lorca groomed Michael in the mirror universe and told her all these things about destiny and promised to take care of her and that they would be side by side and all this stuff. And then it's flashing to our Michael in the prime universe thinking about the exact same kind of stuff he said to her and how he was grooming her this whole time. And to watch it back, you know, it's so there. It's so like, not really out in the open, but just enough where you were seeing the signs all along. And I think, you know, Ashlyn, you had said that your husband was definitely suspicious of Lorca throughout. Like, I think that we all kind of had like, oh, what is going on with this captain? Like he is going through a lot. Like what is, you know, what, what are his motives? But I think that extent of betrayal and also just that extent of manipulation, you know, and playing that long game is so scary to me. And to see that he did this to two Michaels in different universes and that Michael is now grasping those connections is really cool and scary at the same time. Like what a well done way of doing this, of showing how horrible Lorca is and the the means that he'll go to you know and as the as his mirror self is getting revealed it's also showing his torturer saying like say her name of the sister my sister that you killed all this stuff and that this is when Lorca is finally able to escape because he like plays dead basically and then kills his torturer and then like says oh her your sister's name was Ava or whatever but someone better came along um so just so creepy and to show that his sights have been set on Michael for a really long time in both universes like so creepy I thought this reveal was done so well also because you're realizing it at the same time as Michael that something is really really wrong and also Michael gave Lorca a numbing agent only after he'd been in the booth for like four days so he's this man is becoming unraveled but that means when he's in the agony booth when he's finally on the Karen the Chiron the Karen Charon, I don't know, when he's on the Emperor's ship, that means he is in control and he has his brain free, like it's not being tortured so he can like make a plan. So that's how he's able, like Brianna said, plays dead, he escapes. At last, Lorca is back, baby. Wow. He, his plan, his plan worked. So yeah, that's how this episode ends with this shocking reveal. I remember, yeah, yeah, I, I was, I was totally, totally, totally thrown, completely shocked by this wonderful wonderful writing so at the beginning of what's past prologue we see Lorca has freed his crew because they also have been in the torture agony booth the episode opens with his monologue he says one year 122 days of torture and like it's all been worth it because I'm back now so he revived all of his crew all of his most loyal homies are back and they start a coup and 
the security officer who we saw die yeah. in the prime universe she's his number one at this point and she says we should regroup we should just leave because this is too hot like the situation is there's too much going on if we retreat and escape right now then we'll have a chance for survival and we can make a smart plan and he says i've been to another universe you think i came here without a plan so he does have a plan but i think she's totally right like lorca should take his losses and go but he's too proud yes. and he's too eager too to too. f over the discovery also and say like <laughs> yes. hi i fooled you yeah. and to just kill the emperor because he's seen her at this point like his goal is right there he he needs to fulfill this plan because it's his destiny it kind of reminds me of that of golduka almost of the like i was meant to do this i was born to become the the, the vessel prophet of the <laughs> yeah. yeah you know like embrace me vessel kind mm -hmm. of embrace me spirits you know like same kind of thing i was destined to do this and that's what sort of reaps his demise which i always love i love a good storyline of, of of villain girl bossing too close to the sun and falling in it <laughs> you know essentially i think that that is really cool in a way that cool in a way of like you kind of get that justice as a viewer and you also get to see sort of their fatal flaw start to go in place here and the other thing is his obsession with michael i think that, that is it's so unhealthy and it's so deeply woven into his plan that when she betrays him basically not betrays but like they're chasing her around the ship you know and she keeps distracting them and finding ways to get away from them and even when she gives herself up for the safety of discovery it's all this ploy and i think that Lorca is desperate to hold on to her and he knows that she's slipping away from him and that his plan sort of doesn't feel complete without her so i think that's another part of his demise is the fact that he couldn't have michael in the way that he always wanted this is such a great point, Rihanna. Absolutely spells out his demise for sure. Mm -hmm. Because if he had not found Michael in prison, I mean, it would be a very different story because she's so important to Discovery and how they end up in the sure. mirror universe. But I think that it's high risk, high reward because he's thinking if I show up in the mirror universe with Michael, who's Emperor Giorgio's weakness, either she's going to like murder me right away or I'll be able to <laughs> succeed. So yeah. he's like, I'm going to take that chance. And yeah, so crazy, crazy. Absolutely. We finally find out how Lorca got into the prime universe and it's because the brand <laughs> was being attacked and it was caught in an ion storm and he was beaming to the Baran and he switched with his counterparts. So classic mirror episode that makes me really sad for Prime Lorca because that means he was beamed to mirror Baran and destroyed like instantly. <laughs> so rough, he, he did not know. I'm pretty sure he did not know that he died in the mirror universe. No. Um, and somehow Lorca, I don't know how Lorca survived beaming to the prime universe because the Baran was also destroyed in the yeah. in the prime. But yeah, I so know. I think they talked about escape pods or something like in one of those early episodes, but could have been a lie. True. 
But anyway, yeah, so now we know, and then it's kind of Michael versus Lorca after that. And can you imagine the betrayal? At last, she also gets a chance to break it to Discovery. That's one of the first things she does is she, like, calms them, and she's like, please, Discovery, we have to talk. Mm -hmm. They end up finding her signal, and she announces that Lorca betrayed them on the bridge. Like, she's FaceTiming them. Everyone can see, and I love that they pan around to everybody's faces, and you, you get a sense of this deep shock. And Mm -hmm. I think this is what jumpstarts the crew being so connected in Discovery. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they've been, you know, united under Lorca's kind of militant rule this whole time. But I think the fact that, oh, now they've gone through this betrayal together, that's like number one, you know, (laughs) like, wow, this is crazy. This is a mirror, mirror Lorca the whole time. That's Mm -hmm. what's going on. And then also, Saru and Michael make a plan because in the background, (laughs) by the way, Stamets was in the Mycelial Network. He met Mirror Stamets. Together, they found a way to leave the network. He got his nice goodbye to Hugh. Sad. And then, so Stamets returns to the, (laughs) the living and he discovers that the core of the Sharon, I don't know. It's like it's like the Greek name. And I've been watching yeah, Percy Jackson yeah. recently, oh, and I've been like I'm embarrassed. I can't even like pronounce the word correctly. But it's like I think it's like the Karen. What powers the Emperorship is basically the mycelial network. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not sustainable, it's like literally burning it. they're yeah. burning the network, and it's mm-hmm. so powerful. It gives out much more power than what Discovery does because they just glide on the network and they don't hurt it Mm -hmm. saru has a nice like star trek like how could they just be burning resources you know yeah yeah. like i love that prime stamets is like yeah i don't think their first priority is sustainability here you know (laughs) yeah Um, yeah exactly right how the big corporations run they're not worried about that No, no. And so with all of this background data that Discovery's been doing the whole time, they make a plan that Discovery, if Burnham can get the shields down essentially around the (laughs) burning mycelial network core, then the Discovery will drop out of warp and shoot at it and destroy it. But it won't destroy the network somehow. It'll (laughs) just break the like connection that the network has to the mirror universe. And then it will be fine. The stakes are that if they do not succeed and they're actually the mirror universe burns all the mycelial network, then all life in the galaxy will cease to exist. That's like no matter what universe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Normal. That's classic discovery stakes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so that's the impetus to keep them in this universe and to actually don't just get Burnham and warp away, but we have to save all of everything first yeah. as well. Even if we die is what they're saying too. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I also want to mention that Mir Stamets got stuck in the spore drive while conducting experiments and they, you know, kind of shared parallel fates as he says, but he has been trapped since the first time Stamets injected himself that first jump. That is an insanely long time. Maybe for him, it was, you know, like different timeline <laughs> type thing, but all of those sort of glimpses that we've been getting in the mycelial or things that have been going wrong have been Stamets in the mirror universe trying to reach out, which is so like Rutherford coded. I love that they did something similar in Lower Decks in the episode Reflections. You know, I really think that that is so interesting. And the fact that, of course, Mirror Stamets is just using Paul himself (laughs) to get out of this universe finally. He's like, finally, this guy saw me and he's in here with me. And 
I can use him to get out. And then, of course, when Stamets wakes up, he sees that the spores have been destroyed. So I love sort of the ins and outs of that. I think it's really interesting, underrated scenes with Mirror Stamets and himself. The beauty of Star Trek is that they're always going to find another solution to these impossible no-win scenarios where they decide instead of dying let's just try to ride it out and jump like using the spores sort of in the air after we explode the giant like spore hub that is getting burnt once those ambient spores will be sort of enough to power one jump back into our universe sort of using the explosion so another classic trek move is like utilizing the shock wave to get yourself out of there or whatever like we've seen this a lot so of course it's gonna work because our crew needs to live and needs to get out of this universe so i really like feeling confident you know that like this is a crazy maybe suicidal plan but this is discovery they're gonna figure it out and they all have their different roles to play this is great energy that is coming from Discovery in this episode too because we've been in the darkness of the mirror universe and we see once they have a plan, okay, we need to figure out a way because their normal torpedoes can't destroy this giant awesome core. They have to like have stronger weapons. And so they all work really hard together. And it reminds me of season two when they're all working really hard to like build the red angel suit. Yes. It's, it's one of these great moments where the crew just loves doing science and trying to figure things out. So we have Tilly is really stepping up into her role. Stamets, as always, Saru as well, because he's acting captain now that their own captain mutinied against himself. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. We love a mutiny. Maybe I should do a mutiny series next. Is oh, that the is that the next oh series, God. everyone? <laughs> Are we doing mutiny? <laughs> oh, <that'd be> <laughs> love but anyways so yeah i just thought this was good character development for all of these people and just like really feel good you know like okay discovery let's work together and then also michael is kind of messing with Lorca. she's running around (laughs) trying to evade him he's trying to capture her and also convince her to stay in the mirror universe because he was planning on doing all of this with mirror michael but he knows that prime michael her as he says her talents are far greater than hers ever were and so the things that they could accomplish in the mirror universe are truly infinite is what he thinks and so she pretends to say yep okay let's go so michael finds Giorgio. she's hiding away in her little conference room and they make a plan that Michael's going to offer Giorgio up and then she's going to betray Lorca. And that's exactly what happens. And this, these couple scenes where first there's an amazing, amazing fight. One of the coolest ones I've seen yeah, in a while so well choreographed, in, in disco yeah. where uh, Giorgio and all her guards get ambushed by Lorca and you see like the gun lights, like, like one by one turning on from by the end of the hall. We have like guns coming out of the walls and shooting Lorca's people. Giorgio has this shield, like a security shield in front of her. And then Stamets, like Mirror Stamets is counting down like, oh, it's at 70%, 25%, three, two, one, the shield is down. You know? <laughs> that was so funny. I don't know why. <laughs> I know. I, I, it, I, it really got me into the fight. So that one was really cool. And then also this fight at the very end of the episode is epic as well. Michael betrays Lorca and then they get into a fight where at some point Michael's fighting Lorca, Lorca's fighting the Emperor, everyone's going for it. Owo's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, Owo got banished. That was really sad. That was um, sad. 
Yeah, I would hate to see it. So eventually, Michael, she gets Lorca and she's like, well, I can't kill you. It's like against what I stand for. And then behind her, Giorgio just like stabs him in the back and you see the knife, the blade come through Lorca and he's like, eh. It's a sword, actually. Yeah, the Emperor's sword. sword. And then he falls through the floor into the core and he vanishes as well. So like ultimate (laughs) mirror mirror vanish moment. Yeah. (laughs) I think that was a really great moment of Giorgio being like yeah but this is who I am so I'm gonna kill him I love that Michael says to Lorca before he dies we could have helped you get home had you asked and it really reminded me of that Riker moment when Jellicoe you know is like all bitching about Riker okay fine will you pilot this thing and Riker's like yes you could have just asked I totally love that you know it's just important to remember like <laughs> ask first maybe they'll like act- maybe someone will actually help you so you don't have to like take over their ship or anything Lorca he loves drama. He has to do this he whole plan. Yeah. Drama, the intrigue. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really love that then Giorgio gives this beautiful speech of like the rest of Lorca's crew is coming. Lorca had rallied a lot of Giorgio's followers onto his side, you know, and the Royal Guard is basically dead. So Giorgio thinks this is her last moment. She says, like, I failed as an emperor. Like, I might as well go down fighting. She makes this sort of beautiful speech about, like, I'll buy you time to go get back to your universe. Michael's like, nope. (laughs) And she waits for the beam to be activated and runs forward and grabs Giorgio at the last minute. Incredible. Show-stopping. Very, um whale lady of her i just i love the energy stop oh my god stop what did she say like um surprise yeah jumped on her back surprise (laughs) but truly oh so whaley coded absolutely Yeah. yeah uh i one line i thought was interesting was because michael's questioning Giorgio. like you don't want to stay and try to continue being emperor like what do you mean you're just ready to die Giorgio says they've seen my neck mm-hmm. so like they'll never respect me anymore and that's exactly right like in the mirror universe once you show any sign of weakness someone's gonna come assassinate you so yeah. she knows it's an uphill battle she'll never have the same kind of respect again and yeah. goal is to die honorably at this point so she's just ready to go down Michael saves her. The Discovery use theirs, uses the spores. They go back and they accidentally overshoot by nine months. Whoops. Whoops. But they're home. And the war's over. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think the politics of the Mirror Universe are going to shift greatly after this. This moment changes everything. The Emperor's gone, presumed dead. Lorca is dead along with his faction. And they must have a replacement Emperor, you know, leaving it vulnerable to the Coalition or the Alliance or whatever. Obviously, we know it won't be vulnerable for long. Like, I'm sure someone is seated pretty soon after. But just interesting to think about the implications of whether Giorgio had died there, then at least the person who had killed her, you know, kind of thing. But there's no sort of hierarchy now in the system that's collapsing. So that's just an interesting thing to think about. In other Star Trek shows, we've talked about how mirror characters are much easier to kill off, obviously. And it adds to the height of the mirror universe, like the tension of it. So I think everyone's dead from the Discovery crew that yeah, like all like all it. the mirrors. I think everyone is dead because, oh, yeah, because Killy's not there. Yeah, we, only yeah, saw... we never see mirror Killy. Yeah, but I think everyone because I was about to say, well, who would of like Giorgio's force who mm-hmm. would step up? Like, would it be Detmer or 
Bryce, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know, yeah. but I think they're all dead because the ship exploded, and, and they were true, there yeah. were so many fights that were happening in that last day. Yeah, I think they're all gone. Interesting, you know that yeah. they're gone. Looking yeah. for a regime change, I guess. <laughs> exactly um, right, and especially because Terra Firma in season three does not give us any of that past stuff. We get a lot of alternating, bifurcating destinies and timelines here. Uh, as Giorgio is thrust back into that. Yeah, okay, let's go and change gears a little bit. We're gonna jump 900 years into the future now. And here we are in season three of Discovery, where the crew and the cast is also in 900 years in the future. We are in a Starfleet that, as Giorgio says, is a little more Terran than what they're used to. So uh let's all get ready for that and i'm also going to remind everybody that the past couple episodes of discovery giorgio has been kind of glitching out and her hand is like passing through wine glasses and this is because which we learn like in the first couple minutes of this episode giorgio is not only out of time like she's 900 years in the future but remember she is mirror so she's also in the wrong universe and so this guy, this Starfleet guy with the glasses, what's his name? Kovich. <laughs> thank you. The great thank you. David Cronenberg. Thank you, thank you. Kovich. Mm -hmm. He is teaming up with Dr. Kolber and they're discussing the plight of Giorgio. Kovich knows this because there was a time soldier who traveled, his name was Yor. And I, this is crazy to me. This like blew my mind watching right? this. I love this. So, Yor lore. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yor is the only, before Giorgio, the only known person to travel through not only time but also through a different to a different universe and your traveled forward from the time 2379 he's a time soldier and he traveled over to the kelvin verse the way that they worded it was a anomaly that was caused by a romulan mining ship which yeah which is we the, know it's kelvin hi christopher I <laughs> exactly like, we, know. we saw it happen your dad was captain of a starship for 12 seconds 12 and he saved 800 lives including yeah. yours 12 minutes i think not seconds that would be no. <laughs> you're I right about that if george kirk were captain of a starship for 12 seconds that'd be like a record yeah um, you're right 12 minutes might be <laughs> no but that's amazing i i didn't even read into that or listen hard enough for that Kelvin verse reference. Thank you, Ashlyn. And also, it kind of makes me wonder, is that how Spock died as well? Because uh, he mm. also traveled through time and universes. The only difference is that Spock, I don't think, did enough time traveling like that time soldier <laughs> probably did. I mean, Spock has time traveled a lot. I will, I mm -hmm. can't deny. But he wasn't flitting in and out of time as much as a time soldier would. But I can't help but wonder if he started glitching out towards the end as well, which is very sad to think about. Yeah, uh, great thought. Terrible thought. Thank you, <laughs> Ashlyn, for that. <laughs> she said, no, but get really good, Really good speculation. Also, writers, we're waiting for our Temporal Cold War series, just so y'all know. We've been it's waiting sitting for there. It's so, sitting there. Yep. It's sitting there waiting to boil over. So I think also Giorgio talks about in this the fact that in not so many words that being sick in the mirror universe is basically a death sentence because it is sort of you at your weakest and you at your most vulnerable and so Giorgio tells tilly after tilly tries to help her you know with her hand passing through the glass if i were you i'd put me down like a dog so this is the mentality of 
you know, I'm just thinking like there's probably no like sick or disabled people left in the mirror universe because they either get killed off or think that they deserve to die, be killed, put down like a dog. Like that kind of rhetoric and language is so just like ableist because this is what the mirror universe embodies is a hatred of anything other, like Michael says. So important to think about, you know, that like the ailing and the sick in the mirror universe either probably just aren't around anymore or definitely not cared for, you know, if this is Giorgio's mentality for what she's going through. Totally agree, Rihanna. Another very sad fact you brought yeah, to the Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm just thinking about this a lot, you know, as like I think about the pandemic still going on and like wearing masks to protect others, you know, like it's so important to think about our disabled community and, and they're often forgotten, including in the mirror universe and including in Star Trek, you know, and the fact that she thinks of her sickness like this, like a like a death sentence is so telling. It really is. And she's being outwardly so terrible to everyone she mm -hmm. she spills food on tilly in the scene in the mess hall and she is purposefully trying to distance herself from others i think to make it easier to deal with the fact that she is dying she essentially literally, she literally tries to goad michael into killing her like she goes to this far of circumstances they're in a little like combat room together with a bunch of, bunch of knives and swords i'm like what's happening <laughs> is this Giorgio's personal training room um, but she says quote killing me would have been the greatest honor of my burnham's life it would have been my greatest honor to be killed by her wow so we got some foreshadowing because here's <laughs> here's what's about to come Colber does a very sassy Google search of the drive that of the <laughs> of Discovery's um, computer. Spore drive, yeah, yeah. Um, Spore drive. The, the data, the data the core. Yeah, not, yeah, not the Klingon data core, but uh, the Discovery data sphere. Oh, I love Star Trek. We got a lot of geometric shapes in Star Trek, and they're being used in a lot of different ways. <laughs> this one is a sphere of data. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it sphere? We never thought of it. It's like a planet. Um, <laughs> but anyway. Circle so of data. I can't call it that. <laughs> <laughs> world of data we the data interact world. around data into the computer like that. <laughs> oh god yeah so oh. i know sam this has been a funny episode even though it's been so depressing also yeah. <laughs> we're like here's the devastating circumstances of colonialism anyway do you think that the sphere is a circle <laughs> smash her past the mirror data sphere like <laughs> <laughs> I would smash his aura so hard. Agreed, <laughs> agreed. Oh, man. So anyway, they search and they find that there is one way to deal with this and they have to go to dun-dun-dun, Dan is five. So <laughs> every everyone knows about Dan is five. We've heard about it historically throughout <laughs> Star Trek. Yeah. So this is the new location of the Guardian of Forever. Uh, ever, ever. Again, amazing reveal. Maybe not, uh, it's probably the third best reveal in Star <laughs> Trek, you know, behind yeah. Lorica and, and Giorgio being alive yeah. and, mm -hmm. and evil. <laughs> Literally both of them alive, alive and evil. evil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Giorgio can come to the phone right now. She's alive and evil. Like, yes. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, exactly right. So um, <laughs> this is amazing. And basically, this two-parter is Giorgio 
going back in time and she gets the little redemption arc. So she takes her place as emperor of the Terran universe <laughs> back. She's home. Everyone's fine. And she returns to the day that Lorca betrayed her and she killed Michael. Which is the day of her christening, which I forgot. Like, dang, the christening of the Charon. Um, that sucks. <laughs> That's a real bummer of a day because it's supposed to be her celebration. Not that I'm justifying this, like, <laughs> horrific Rita's emperor. like, man, she had a bad oh, day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By a coup. <laughs> Darn, I hate when that happens. Mutiny! Um, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. This, I think, is one of the best ways to close our Mirror Universe arc in Discovery because we get to see all of the counterpart people that we didn't in season one. So we get to actually see Killy, we get to actually see Mirror Michael, we get to see, of course, back again, some more players that we've seen before. But I also thought it was a great choice not to bring Jason Isaacs back for this. I know Ashlyn was probably a little sad to not see him and my fiance loves Lorca, but I still think it probably is for the best because this isn't a Lorca story anymore. You know, this is now completely focused on Giorgio and the interpersonal relationship she has with her daughter, Michael, and her honor guard and the ones who betrayed her, like all these different layers of interactions that she has to do that I think Lorca would have just like made it more messy than it already was. And so I just really got to appreciate this moment of us getting to see Michael and Killy particularly was a huge highlight for me because they were what was missing from like, cause they were just replacements in season one. Yeah, exactly right. This fills all the holes of the people that we were missing. You know, we, like we said, we get to see beautiful Colbert in this episode. Yes. Beautiful. Stunning. Yes. Stunning. And you know, Bryce and Reese are more of a part of this. And like I said earlier, Arium is back like for real she's like just a human you know so we got to see a glimpse of her even saru um, saru is yeah, a huge role in this one huge part of this and even side characters like i'm thinking lieutenants um like the blonde lieutenant she's like a brunette in this like it's just like it's cool and i wish i knew her name i'm sorry yeah so here we go this is wild so Giorgio, she's setting out to change her personal history so giving this this is the opportunity that the the guardian has given her she doesn't know any of this but <laughs> she chooses to embark on this mission and instead of killing michael she captures her and puts her in an agony booth for weeks months yeah. we don't know but basically her theory well, is that months she was in there total right oh yeah so... it was it was three months yeah so her theory is that she can have a good relationship with michael if she like breaks her essentially and is trying to kind of like reform her mind i'm thinking about i've been i just finished the game of thrones series recently so this is the books even more everything's way more violent in the books even but yeah. there's you know character that like theon goes through this kind of mind altering torture that is similar to what i think michael is going through where i mean she's not getting like her parts cut off of her but the torture chamber has got to be awful michael looks increasingly terrible like she looks injured in every way as her time goes on and Giorgio just thinks oh if i break her she will be like a dog that will just like obey me again and she'll come back to trusting me she'll be my little girl again instead of killing her which is the choice that she made the first time so you know we're not going to go into the depths of the mother-daughter dynamics because this is not the family series, but yeah. it is worth just discussing this insane 
choice that she makes that is it mercy is this better than killing her no not at all this is way worse <laughs> um yeah i mean i think that's the whole point the guise that she puts it under is like oh killing her would be too easy she needs to suffer she needs to come back into the fold i'm just gonna read a few quotes that really i feel like sum up this whole relationship so at one point Giorgio's little monologue here says here where strength is power and terror is love there is no other way to reach you even Detmer comes to her like brokenly pleading, like just give in, like seriously, this is not worth it. It's not worth you dying. Like, I think that also sort of made Michael realize like there is no other way around this except for just like giving in, coming back into the fold, at least to pretend, you know? And I think that Michael's stubbornness kept her in there so long is what she even said to Giorgio. But this, these whole scenes, you know, of, of the torturing, the surveillance that Giorgio constantly has, the employing of Killy to like, you know, really use her skills to torture Michael, but keep her alive, all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it's also disturbing to me, especially seeing our Giorgio work in this prime universe and in this future and like seeing her do such compassionate acts and saving all, the, all these other people. We know that, that this is still products of the universe that she's now in. And this is just so normalized, you know, this type of torture, this type of manipulation. They all do it to each other all the time, you know, even Michael and Giorgio watch a entire like brutal battle or brutal fight between Owoshikun and Reese, essentially vying for the position of the like head of the honor guard that Owoshikun has. So I just feel like it's all around this violence. It's so ingrained in the society that even this torture is seen as love, is seen as like, I am helping you come back into the fold. But no, I definitely think death would have been easier than what Michael was put through. And you know, she appears broken by the end of it, but we know that there is still this inherent need, especially now. I think torturing someone is going to make them love you less, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it creates the Stockholm Syndrome that people think it does. Uh, yeah. Because in the moment, I think I think maybe a, a little bit of Michael was like, okay, you know, like, I, she's my mom, <laughs> you know, maybe for a second. But I, I think mostly the strength that she had to quote unquote, admit her wrongdoing and ask for forgiveness from Giorgio comes from the fact that she knew she was going to betray her. And I think that strength in Michael is what propelled her forward to complete this plan more so than actually really changing her mind. It just made yes. her more sure than ever that I have to betray my mom. I have to become emperor. And because you're weak, this is why Giorgio has to resort to something like this, even though it's crazy. This is the only other option besides killing her because Michael does not respond to words. You can't have a reasonable conversation with her. Giorgio can't just say, I went to this, <laughs> I just live this life and I have changed for the better. As emperor, she would like with these new like peaceful tactics that she has she'd be an amazing emperor but what the empire needs is an emperor that's going to be absolutely brutal i mean what they think they need and what they want so unfortunately like even though now she's probably a better emperor than ever that is the weakness that she's showing and mm -hmm. i i think her relationship with saru in this episode is one of the most important things because yes. she sees him immediately when one of his fellow Kelpians starts going into Baharai. Saru's the one to comfort him. And for disturbing the dinners, Giorgio like does not punish them, which is like shocking to everyone. And Michael, this is the first sign, one of the first signs. She's like, something is really weird here. And for the rest of the two parters, she has Saru 
he's like always seen brushing her hair, helping her like get dressed, get ready for the day. And also he's her eyes and ears aboard the ship. And he's reporting to her on everything that happens, giving him some sense of duty, some things to do. And at the end of the episode, when he comes to her and says, I'm going through Vahara, I'm about to die. He's genuinely sad that he's like yeah. not going to see her again because he's really come to like her. She has stopped eating Kelpian and it's not even on the menu anymore because mm -hmm. of his presence and because of her time in the Prime universe. And she straight up tells him, you will survive Vaharai, so lock yourself away mm -hmm. and you will go through a madness and then you'll be fine. I've seen someone do it before. His name is Saru and he was the captain of a ship. So this is, I think, the most important thing that she does in the mirror universe because we, Giorgio finds out because Michael again betrays her. She cannot change this relationship that she has with Michael in the mirror universe. It's impossible. It's never going to work, but the type of change that she can make is by educating the Kelpians that they will be stronger if they pass through Vaharai and the way that they've been murdered is completely a lie. Everything about their existence is, has been sheltered from them. It's again another case of their culture being taken away, erased by, the, in this case, the Terrans in the Prime Universe, it's the Baowul. So they're always being shut down, but this, this spark of hope that she plants in the Kelpians, I'm waiting waiting to hear about the Kelpian um, empire that yeah, <laughs> must yeah. spawn after this because we don't see Kelpians ever again. I know they're unique to Discovery, the species is, but I mean, if we're sticking to Star Trek who knows what they're doing all the time, we don't ever see Kelpians again. And so I would be fascinated to hear another series talk about, or Discovery, talk about what happened to the mirror Kelpians. So I think that is probably Giorgio's most notable moment is her, and most important thing is the relationship with Saru that she develops. I 100% agree. I think this is so special. And the fact that like telling Saru about Vaharai, you know, he, he says similarly what we were talking about earlier with language, like the word Vaharai shouldn't even like, you know, sully your tongue is what he says. It, it, that is only spoken by other Kelpians. Like, why would you sort of base yourself to speak our language? And same kind of thing that now that she's seen Saru in the mirror or in the prime universe and seen Kelpians and seen that they are just like her, you know, that scene that, oh my gosh, all of these individuals, even aliens that I was taught to hate my entire existence are actually just sharing their unique culture with us and showing their different ways of commanding and leading. And Saru is such a great commander. I think at this point, George O kind of looks up to him in a way that she would never, ever admit, you know, and that she she really has said some things that are really lovely to Saru, you know, as much as she combats him on things. I think she only questions his authority or his opinions because she respects them and because she, you know, wants to add to the conversation, wants to be a, a productive member of Discovery. And so when she's thrown back into this Terran Empire, changing the shape of Kelpian society almost seems natural to her because she's like, this just is wrong. Like, I know the potential of Kelpians and of Saru and of, of, of the people. And I know the potential of, of aliens when they're not subjugated. And so I think that, I think that Giorgio ultimately sees potential in people and sees what they can do used to be for her or for her empire. But now it's for like bettering society because she's, she's now seen through the prime lens. She's lived it. She's lived with these people lived without fear for the first time in her life. And, got to experience that. And it is pretty much like a privilege, you know, for these, she, I think, sees it as a privilege 
that she does not have in the mirror universe now that she's back is she can't just be rid of fear anymore it's all around her all the time and you know i mean like you said about michael talking to her about peace and how like what are you doing we just want to dominate she says that all these aliens are form- forming a coalition and that they're coming to destroy you and that there are quote no spoils from peace you know and ah uh, and that the truth like there's no capitalism if there's peace and so they have to go hand in hand the, the the money and the subjugation of people like always do you know and so i think she just she said it like the empire is not going to change at all unless you have these fundamental working changes which is what Giorgio was starting to do and what mirror spock ended up doing you know so it's really cool to think about how much like you said one spark of hope can change the entire tide of a revolution or of a system you know and Giorgio is the one to bring that spark of hope for me is is one of the most phenomenal ways to do it to have her the leader the empress the one you're supposed to fear the most coming back a completely changed person redoing this worst day of her life on her little party was ruined you know (laughs) yeah I just I'm blown away by the arc that they've done for Giorgio the ways we've seen her change and grow and it's been like a a gift truly getting to of course have michelle Yeoh on star trek in general but also just a gift to have Giorgio as a character because it's giving us so much more insight into mirror universe characters aren't just plain out evil villains they are people in like mirror circumstances to ours or it's exactly the kind of thing they're trying to say is like put the mirror up to society you know this is kind of what's happening in these episodes and God, it's just so, so well done. Yeah, I I think this is a really special episode that we get, and it's a really phenomenal farewell to Giorgio as a character, as well as an amazing opportunity for these Discovery actors to truly shine and get to do something completely different than what they normally do on Discovery. I know actors always love these weird episodes where they get to play the antithesis of their characters. Sonequa Martin-Green masterclass of acting in this one like it's so fun and terrifying to see mirror michael she's really developed her into a really complicated character so wonderful to see i have a quick question for you rihanna and off the top of your head if you had to pick a favorite iteration of mirror episodes which ones are you going for just what's your answer I have to go with Smiley on Deep Space Nine. I love a Deep Space Nine mirror. Nothing beats Mira Kira of MK for me. Ashlyn, I mean, Discovery is a close run up, close second, but Deep Space Nine is super special with their mirror episodes. Ashlyn, what about you? What do you see as your, what are you going for for your mirror iteration? Honestly, it's so hard for me to choose. All of these Mirror episodes have been so interesting and incredibly unique. Each series has their own beautiful take. I'm going to actually go with Enterprise. I absolutely love the Enterprise episodes and I just want more. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, I'm going with Enterprise. So, oh, and I mean, Discovery is amazing too. But anyway. It's so hard to choose. Yeah. TOS. This has just been a wonderful ode to the Mirror Universe, to Giorgio herself as a character. We get to see her go off, you know, into what we thought was going to be a spinoff, but now Giorgio is too popular. Now we'll no, I no, I mean, I the, mean, still, the movie's the, still planned, right? This the section thirty-one movie with we assume I, I, that's about Giorgio, like features her, Michelle Yeoh, Oscar-winning actor. She is coming back to the Star Trek universe. There was the yeah. writer strike, so I'm I'm not sure what's going on, but that's what we hope. We there might be three Star Trek movies in development. So, wow. Yeah. But, you know, on a much on a much smaller and more important scale, 
what's coming next for the Dura Sisters podcast. And after our feminism episode of Strange New World next week, we will begin the finale series. So everybody just enjoy. That's pretty self-explanatory. We'll be talking about all the finales. You all know what's coming. (laughs) Oh my God. So Ashlyn, are you saying this is the mirror universe of our pilot series? I... I would almost say that. <laughs> almost. <laughs> You're like, that's a little weird, but sure. <laughs> I like what you're trying to do there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So in a couple weeks, we are going to be talking about the turnabout intruder, <laughs> which I've never, Whoa. in the three, three and a half years of the podcast, we've never talked about turnabout never. intruder. So I have not touched that with a 10 foot pole. I've only seen it once. So it's going to be yes. really, really exciting to talk about. And then to dive into all of the other finales, that does not mean that our podcast is ending, by the way. No, it just means be that yeah. I'm kind of in a mood to get controversial and talk about these finales. So, Rihanna, yeah. I absolutely cannot wait. Feminism Ashley, is going to be a yay. blast. Thank you for choosing this beautiful, beautiful series. I've had so much fun. Short but sweet. Absolutely. Yes. with From the bottom of my heart. Thank you, everybody, who to contribute to social media and talk about these mirror episodes, because I think we really got a conversation going amongst our listeners as well. So mwah, we love you all. Mwah. You all are my Philippa. I just I love you all. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with us to the mirror universe. And uh, we're going to be talking about feminism in Strange New Worlds next week. Please look out for that episode. Send us your thoughts on feminism in Strange New Worlds. Truly, it can be anything. You know, what you think they did well, what you think they didn't do well, writing, acting, casting, all of the above. We want to hear characters. We want to hear about what you think about the women of Strange New Worlds and their role in it. So please send us a message, DM us, email us, whatever. We got you. So Ashlyn, so excited to just be on this podcast with you. Thanks for taking a time out of your day. Listeners, thank you for taking your time out of your day to listen. I want to take a quick moment to thank oh. Ian Davies, Jordan Hirsch, Megan Chowning, MC Freudis, Spotted Giraffe, David Willett, Curlon Noskos, Wolf Witt, Rick Mason, Anna F., John B., Gail Dara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan Fetch, and Michelle. Oh my gosh, you are all amazing patrons. Thank you so much for being in the House of Duras with us. Thank you, patrons. And as always, more than ever, I will say, don't <laughs> let the patoks get you down, especially not the mirror patoks. <laughs> yeah, kapla. Kapla! Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the Strange New World episode of Feminism. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, and Twitter to check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating $1, 6 12 or $23 per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive rewards for each tier. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, first officers, spooky, holodeck, engineering, and the Mirror Series. Woo-woo! Woo!
<laughs> if you haven't heard a particular series yet, you better catch the F up. Go back to listen to any of these awesome episodes. Social media, marketing, and editing is by me, Ashen Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. Joe. So, you know, like, like any ship, <laughs> you're trapped in the moon universe. What do you do? Luckily, they're... Sorry, I know my mouth is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just knew I'd, I'd, like, no, I'd be hearing the gross, yeah, yeah, wet yeah. sounds. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're good. Anyway, um, 